Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means taking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem mm. with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your own reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here and welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. I think you're going to love this episode where I was very fortunate to interview Nick English, who along with his brother Giles co-founded the award-winning British luxury watch brand Bremont. Now, they only founded in 2002, so to become a leading watch brand in the world and pretty much the only British luxury watch brand in, what, less than 16 years, I can't tell you how phenomenal that is because it's such a mature industry where every luxury famous watch brand is a hundred odd and more years old gone through families and families of generations and history and then many of the big global watch brands owned by huge groups of companies which Nick talks about in the interview so it's amazing what they've done they've both been very much inspired by their father who was a pilot and an aeronautical engineer. And as the brothers, the English brothers were growing up, always buying old watches, taking them apart, putting them back together, just like they were with aircraft. It was very much in their blood. And I know that to this day, Nick and Giles's father still lives through the brand with them because unfortunately in 1995, Nick was flying an aircraft. His father was in the aircraft, it crashed, his father died. And Nick, uh, he had 30 bone breakages and spent months and months and months recovering. And we go into that in a little bit. I think you can really feel the history, the heritage, the disruption, the passion through the brand. They've won all sorts of awards. I interview them at their HQ in Mayfair. Very British. Just an amazing interview and experience, which I think you'll love. So you know I'm passionate about watches. You don't need to be passionate about watches. You just need to be passionate about business and entrepreneurship and delivering value and excitement and heritage to enjoy this interview with Nick English, co-founder of Bremont Watches. Nick, thanks for doing the podcast. Rob, absolute pleasure, absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming here. I'm really excited and I'll tell you why. Because there aren't many or any other high-end watch brands that are British. And having been in here and looked around your boutique, it feels so British. Yeah, I suppose you, most watch boutiques, I suppose if you're used to them, it's, they're probably more Swiss, aren't they? Mm. So we're, it's certainly a slightly different angle on it, for sure. Yeah, and um, did you not think, hmm, you know, the, the watch world is dominated by the, you know, the Swiss and the big brands at 200 years old or something like that. You know, was it not a bit risky to go and set up a disruptive boutique watch brand? Disruptive uh, Okay, that's, watch like, brand. that's my take yeah, yeah, on Yeah, no, yeah. no, for sure. You know, no, it is definitely littered with risk. There's no doubts about it. There's uh, definitely a huge part of, of what we've done has involved a lot of risk. But at the same time, um, you know, there's this amazing history of British watchmaking. You forget the turn of last century, 60% of the world's watches were made in this, on British shores, which, yeah. which is quite phenomenal. You, you go back to John Harrison and ship's chronometer and you take... 60% of um, any watch, mechanical watch we wear today, it doesn't matter what brand it is, 60 70% of that innovation came from the UK as well in terms of 
auto winding second hand, all these different things, mm. uh, uh, you know, very um, interesting technological advances came from, from Brit Inventor, you know, horological experts. So there is that history there. Mm. Uh, you know, Rolex founded in, you know, uh, Clerkenwell in 1905, whatever it was. Right, so there's, yeah. it is there. And, and what we're, you know, passionate about uh, at Bremel is... Um, very much the engineering aspect. Mm. And I think that's what drives us forward. Honestly, this passion to try and bring a watchmaking map to the UK. Mm. And has it been hard trying to position an exclusive brand, a luxury brand, a high-end brand, um, with all of the great established brands that are out there? Do you know... Or have you not even tried to do well, that? No, no, do you know, I don't think we did. Yeah. I don't think we started saying we've got to position ourselves like this. I think what we wanted to do is, um, if you look at what making watches is a trif- you know, tricky business, you're, you've got to be an engineering company. So if you come to one of our facilities, you'll see a bar of metal going in and watch parts coming out, watch mm. cases, watch movement parts. That's in it, that in itself is a business. You know, that's, that's not easy. Then you've got to um, obviously assemble them, design them. You've got to... Uh, retail them. Mm. So it's, it's a quite a complex business. And I think when you, when you start, start out, we, we felt very much that um, the brand wasn't going to be fashion. It was going to be based around engineering. It's going to be based around the product itself in terms mm. of something which had longevity, something you could pick up in 20, 30 years' time. It's actually, that still looks nice. Yeah. And by the time you've designed all that, you've put it together, you're not actually, you know, there is a cost base intrinsically associated with that, you mm. know, to make a product of this ilk. And we wanted any good watchmaker, well-trained watchmaker, to, to pull, pull apart a Bremont in the years to come and say, actually, that's a beautifully made watch. Yeah. And I think if you put that sort of amount of craftsmanship and work into it, it's going to have a level of price point anyway. You can't avoid mm. that. And so by, by default, you're entering that market space. Um, and the rest, you just got to, your fingers crossed and uh, hope yeah. that it works, really. Mm. And do you intentionally limit the supply to try and maintain the exclusivity or is that just something that's forced upon you because you can't make 1.1 million watches like Rolex can? Well, that's the point. You can't. And, yeah. you know, it takes a long time to train up various watchmakers. You're, you're looking at um, probably, uh, you, know, well, you know, 90% of the people who work for Bremen on the watchmaking front have been trained by us. Yeah. Because you can't sort of go and ring a few up in the UK and pluck them out of nowhere. There no. is... You know, it's, I it's guess the, the best watchmakers in the world, there must not be very many of them, and most of them are in Switzerland, would that be uh, no, 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 Switzerland, yeah. Germany, countries yeah. like this. And so what we very much had to do is, is bring, bring these guys on board and train them up so through apprentice schemes. And, uh, and that's a, very much a long-term play, isn't it? Well, it is, it is. So um, we have to, uh, you know, we have to, we're looking 20, 30 years down, down the line, not, not just tomorrow. And it, it takes yeah. time. So you, even if we wanted to make... You know, half a million watches a year tomorrow. We can, you know, you're you're restricted by, by one, uh, yeah, most mostly resource in terms of skill set. Yeah, and so this training of people and bringing your values through, have you found that a challenge? We've got some very good people. Yeah. Um. So we have watchmakers with a lot of experience. Mm. So if you take a more, uh, I suppose there's a handful of uh, watchmakers at Bremer who've got average of 20, 30 years experience. Mm. A lot of them, some set up the British School of Watchmaking. They come from brands like Breguet, Patek, um, Amiga. You know, there's some, yeah. there's some great, a great, great skill set. We've got one of the... How did you get them? Did you, you know, go on a massive headhunting no, no, spree? I think, or? I think there's a genuine passion to try and bring back watchmaking in the UK. And I think yeah. the, the opportunity to work for a company, obviously the first one or two when you're starting off is based on relationships mm. and you're, 
you're getting on well with these guys. So yeah, I'll take I'll take a I'll take a punt and come work with you. Yeah. But after a very short period of time, you start pulling off more and more, or bringing in more and more interesting people who who actually come to you, and yeah. and that's that's a really humbling humbling thing to have happen. Mm. But uh, but it is, and uh, they're kind of on the same journey. Everyone's sort of living and breathing the same same mission, which is great. Yeah. In the early days, did, did you get your hands dirty, you and your brother and Giles, well, we can, making? Well, we could put a watch together, but yeah. that's about as far as go. We, we design all the watches. Yeah. Um, so we're engineers background-wise. And yeah. you know, before Bremont, we were running a business restoring historic aircraft. And yeah. that whole uh, love of all things mechanical was in our blood from a very early age. And yeah. so you know, the curiosity of putting these things and taking them apart, I think, as with so many guys, was was there, yeah. um, and we have a you know very very good understanding. Obviously, otherwise we wouldn't be doing it of how they all, all works. Mm. But no, we're not trained watchmakers. No. Uh, I mean, it takes years and years and years, and I don't think you can do both. Yeah, um, you know, run a business like this and mm. and be a full time watchmaker or yeah, be, have that skill set. It's a very particular discipline. Sure. And how has your role changed from when you started? Because I guess you must. Um, like you, know, you said, in a business, there's a lot of different facets to running a business, isn't well, there? Well, there is. I mean, as I was saying earlier on, it is a complex business. And when we went to Switzerland, so we set up the business, first of all, in 2002. And we literally went with a blank sheet of canvas. And we set up a little workshop in Bienn in Switzerland. And we, we had four people. And uh, Giles and I had some contacts from the watch industry beforehand. And we told our wives it would take a year and a half to make our first watch. And... Five years later, we still hadn't launched it. So it took a long, long time. But in that five-year period, we learned so, so much. Because mm. you have to. Mm. You know, you're mortgaging your house for the fifth time, whatever it is, <laughs> without your wife knowing. Could you be living near London? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prices yeah, going oh, up. No, I don't, yeah. Well, <laughs> actually, back then, I was living in France. So, right. so that was a fat lot of good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you're, you know, you're, you're getting fully immersed. And you understand how the Swiss... The Swiss watch industry works. It's very horizontally integrated. So you'll have one guy doing one thing. It might be gaskets or crystals mm. or cases or hands or, and you and you learn a huge amount. And they are willing to help you. Mm. You know, if you find the right guys, and there are a lot of nice guys out there, they're willing to, yeah, certainly help you along your way. But and then by doing that, we learned enough to understand the industry, and then eventually bring as much as we back back to the UK as we have done today. Mm. So. It's, it's fascinating, but um, so to begin with, you're immersed in everything. Yeah. And as we're still immersed in a lot now, but mm. you're, you've got a very, very good management team below us, which we're very yeah. lucky with. So you're, you're not in the boutique as much? Mm. I know, I mean, we're in here for, you know, we're, we, we have some great events in here. We have this Bremer Adventurers Club, you know, once a month where yeah. people come along and we have one of our ambassadors talking and standing on that box there, talking <laughs> yeah. about, you know, uh, rowing across wherever or yeah. traipsing across the Antarctic or wherever they, they, whatever they've done. And so this, this boutique is a, is a great uh, sort of meeting place. Mm. And we have three or four of these, four or five of these around the world now. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you can't be, I think, for example, on the sales front, you know, you're mm. not, you can't go off and see every retailer every week like yeah, you of used course. to in the past. So yeah. it's impossible. But so. you've done great. I mean, what, you've only been doing this 15 years. I yeah, mean, but can you see the bags in the eyes? It's, it feels like 50. It feels still like smiling, 50. though. <laughs> but, you like know, the, the amount of time it takes to make a great watch, it's amazing how um, fast you've grown. Yeah, it probably takes to get all the parts together. And, um, you know, we're not just 
you know, we're trying to do as much as we can in the UK. Yeah. So you're, it's not just about um, buying a, um, a case, it's about making that case. So you're buying a, a rod of steel, which is a huge, you know, huge undertaking to take that. So, you know, human hair is what, 50, 60 microns. And we're machining cases and movement parts to 50, 60 microns. Wow. I mean, sorry, sort of three or four microns, sorry. Right, yeah. Which is, is minute. So yeah. it's, uh, you know, it's not, it's not an easy, easy business, that's for yeah. sure. How many watches do you produce a year? Is that figures that you publish? We or don't, roughly? but we're roughly 10,000 10, yeah. or so. So, yeah. um, but we only make chronometers. Uh, so in the top handful of chronometer producers in the world, yeah. we only, um, uh, obviously, mechanical watches. Yeah. And out of that selection of watches, you know, a huge amount you know, is done by ourselves. So. Yeah. So I've, I, I often have a little quick fire at the end, and I'm going to bring one of those questions forward because you said about mechanical watches. What do you think about smart watches? Would you swap I... your Bremont for an <laughs> Apple Eye watch? Do you know... I think they definitely have a place. I think... Um, uh, You're being very diplomatic. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, think, I think it's just something that's so, so different. I mean, yeah. it's a piece of technology. Mm. So, I mean, you were in here a second ago. A big chunk of our business is military. Yeah. Yeah, military, fascinating you know, conversation. Military guys, they'll buy a watch because it's an heirloom. Yeah. They'll be flying with this thing and yes. often in conflict. It's then something which they can hand down to future generations. Yeah. They're kids and they might buy two, three of them because they have two or three kids. Yeah. You're not going to do that with a smartwatch. No. It's defunct in a year. You're going to bin it, and you're going to get something else. Yeah. Um, and it has incredibly interesting health benefits. It has, you know, as these Fitbits do. And mm. but there are places for both. You know, there's, you see a lot of guys now wearing a lovely watch like yours, but also a, um, you know, Fitbit on the other hand. Yeah. And, or these smart straps. There are different ways of doing it. But it's not a piece of technology or a, a machine that you're going to relish in 30 years yeah. time and hand down and I think that's that's where the difference is and you know there's 86,400 seconds in a day and when you hold it you've got a mechanical watch on your wrist like this mm. you're it's um it's a minor miracle yeah. if you think about it so the most accurate mechanical devices on the planet and you'd think it'd be sitting like that that clock up there the one that uh, Ronnie Woods painted you know that's you know you'll sit you'd thought any watch which is capable of being accurate to two or three seconds a day um, would have to sit on the mantelpiece and not be touched. Yet yeah, we're bashing the things, things around. We're cycling, we're swimming, we're mm. climbing mountains, we're windsurfing, we do all these things with these watches, um, and it's still telling the time accurately. So yeah. that's what's special about mechanical. Let's talk about 20, 30 years in the future. Yeah. Do you think more and more people would be wearing smart watches and higher-end brands might be embracing them in there? Um, product lines? I'm sure, I'm sure. I mean, you've seen a lot in the last three or four years. You've seen the... Um, you know, a handful of uh, more mechanical Swiss watch brands go into the smart watch mm. arena. The, the hard thing for me is you suddenly becomes a technology gambit, doesn't it? Mm. You, you're competing with the Apples, the, the Garmin's, the Sintos, who are very, very skilled at what they do. And yeah. it's, a, it's a completely different industry. So mm. you're, you're invariably buying that technology from someone else. Yeah. Um, I mean, you'll see more. I think these things will do more and more exciting things and uh, uh, it'll be something different. It mm. might be that you wear your mechanical watch 95% of the time, but when you're off training or you're you know, uh, trying to uh, walk the dog and see how far you can get your heart rate up, you might be wearing something else. Or... Yeah. So 
I mean, it's, it's hard to tell where 30 years' time, but mm. I think there's always going to be a place for mechanical watches because yeah. of their longevity. There's not a single part on this watch you cannot change, and so it's going to be around in 200 years' time. Mm. So I always, I'm always really inspired by that moment when successful people started their thing. Yeah. Do you remember the time when you sat down or you thought, I'm going to start a watch brand? Was there like a da 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 moment? Yeah, that's my old Spice impression. Terrible. Yeah. Um, ours was slightly longer. So our father was an incredible guy. He was. Um, it really started with him. He was an aeronautical engineer from Cambridge. So as kids, we spent the whole time in the workshop with him making things. Mm. So restoring our bikes, planes. We still fly old planes we built with him. Cars. Yeah. Um, restored those sort of things. But clocks are one of his passions. It was about tinkering. Mm. So. In terms of, and, and he, would, he loved his mechanical watches. And you, know, you take a gearbox apart and you, you're looking at cogs and gears and pinions and all this sort of stuff. It's not any different on a mechanical watch or a clock. Mm. And we used to, our mother used to get these old wall clocks and things and bring them from an auction and see if Giles and I could make them work again, which <laughs> invariably we never did, but it kept us quiet for many hours. <laughs> but it's that sort of passion for clocks. So very early on, and dad would talk about the passion for watchmaking and in this U in the UK and mm. so there's always the love in terms of starting a watch brand um, I think uh, you know I, I think if you were 50 if you go back 15 years ago we if you talked to anyone back then about uh, Giles and I going in and setting up a watch company when it's the, the you know the marketplace is littered with um, it's like setting up an insurance company. Well, You're going against really mature, no, long-standing. No, I know, I know, I know. It's a, it's a very <laughs> You're busy, crazy. <laughs> it's a busy, but, and we had that a lot. You know, you're just mad. It's, did that inspire you? Or did, loads of, well, I think the best thing we never did was go to Basel before we started. In Basel, yeah. you'll find six or seven hundred Swiss watch brands. Yes. So that was great. So ignorance was bliss on yeah. that front. Um, but also, I, I think we felt there was definitely a niche in the market for a company where, or a brand which wasn't based around fashion. We felt a lot of watches were mm. becoming more fashion-orientated and just slightly, uh, well, no, we had a passion for vintage watches. We loved that vintage side of things. Yeah. And a lot of brands were going away from that. They're, funnily enough, they're coming back now. Mm. Um, they are, yeah. But, but it, that, was, uh, that was something which we did felt there was a sort of niche in the market. I think um, where... I think you're sort of, when you're young, we had this, I, I, Giles and I both had this sort of life-changing incident in 95 when I was in a plane crash with my father. I smashed myself up. I broke 30-odd bones. Giles was, wow. our father died in it. Oh, Giles no. was just about to take off in another, uh, this uh, uh, pressing for an air display in another aircraft. Were you and flying it at the time? I was flying it. Yeah. And when you have something like that combined with a kind of, I keep using that word, but passion for for something like watches. Sometimes the sort of tipping point happens. You think, actually, sod it, let's just go for it. Mm. And I don't know. We had very little responsibility then. We didn't have kids. Yeah, we did. Or Giles had just had twins. Actually, having said that, yeah, that's true. He just had twins, but I didn't have any kids. And you're, yeah. I think, doing it now in this stage of life would be harder. But we just thought, actually, let's give it a go. And we had very understanding wives. Yeah. Um, and. We started our initial expectations were very low. Yeah. You know, I remember talking to my wife and she said, well, how many watches do you think you're going to sell this year? I, went, oh, I don't know, you know, if there's 50 people out there. I remember saying to her, there's 50 people out there who buy us 
as opposed to a well-known brand, some of the ones I've mentioned, you know, yeah. I thought that'd be amazing. Mm. And yeah, we, we exceeded that, which was fantastic. Yeah. So, um, and do you think you're to some degree living the legacy of your father through the brand? I do. I think he comes up virtually every day in some form. Which must I mean, be amazing. Well, Great it is. Gift. I mean, sadly, he's not, he's not around to have a, have a join in, but he... Um, yeah, and I think, you know, parents in general, my mother had a lot to play with it because she would allow us to spend all this time in a workshop and allow my That's father... That's a good spend... parenting skill, by the way. I like her style. It is. Put that together. It's yeah. very she clever. She probably yeah. didn't have TV and all that stuff back no, then. You or, didn't. Or no, internet. You didn't. Yeah. you didn't have all these sort of screens and things. So it's um, it a very, very different thing, but it kind of, it kind of worked. And, uh, yeah, so you got... Uh, we do think every day, and it obviously he does come up in the, in the story a fair bit and you think mm. about him a lot and yeah. you know you look at a watch you go I remember him you know he had a collection of watches which in hindsight is pretty ropey you know yeah. they none of them particularly amazing <laughs> but they all mean something to us you know yeah. this is the one he was flying with in this particular year or this is one that he went diving with us on you know there's that's the lovely thing about watches they all tell a story and yeah. uh, something quite special about that and so you, you don't have any immediate plans yet for complications or for divers or for, you know, a lot of watches aren't they inspired by motor racing or you just no, totally... No, I mean, no, not, not at all. I mean, we have a few of the relationships with that. Obviously, from the military side, um, by, by default, we do a lot of um, professional diving watches. Mm. So that is a big... That is a part of us, you know, uh, yeah. where there's a lot of the... Uh, SF side, uh, or you know, you might have uh, Royal Navy clearance divers or North Sea diving rig divers, and we do a lot of that fraternity. On the on the motor side, we've had a relationship with Jaguar for eight years, right. um, yeah. so we're the watch partner for them. And, yeah. and uh, Giles and I have a passion for old cars, so E-type, uh, old E-type, yeah. yeah. And Giles and I did this road trip this summer and took a couple of old cars out to America. And, Lovely. Uh, Drove, drove through there and seeing retailers. I mean, yeah. and then clearly, you, you clearly it was them? work. Yeah, 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 yeah it was a lot of work. You fix them yourself when they go wrong, do you? We did, although um, we, uh, my car, the joke was that my car was sort of slightly more American than English by the time it came back, <laughs> yeah. by the time all the clutch master cylinders and brake cylinders <laughs> and things went. But um, no, we had a great, great thing. So we do have a relationship in, in, in other parts and you know, a lot of our ambassadors are doing some incredible things on the... You know, whether it's the professional divers or the explorers, or if you look at, take a Ben Saunders crossing the Antarctic now, he did recreated Scott's route in 2012, which is 1,800 miles on third. Yeah. Now he's doing Shackleton's route, which is basically trans-Antarctic. Um, but he has a modified diving watch, which is titanium. It's got special oils in it. It's GMT, so he mm. can navigate using the sun. And, you know, they're, they're designed, they're sort of tool-like watches. And yeah. uh, I think that's why they do appeal to the, the military in quite a... Yeah, big way. One thing really strikes me sitting here with you is you're like, you're, the passion that comes through. It's like, I feel like I'm getting a history of your life in this boutique. Sorry about that. No, 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 <laughs> you shouldn't be. I think, it's, I think it's really inspiring. And I think one of the challenges entrepreneurs have when they're starting or pivoting or whatever it is, passion profession. You know, you're like, maybe you've got this passion like you want to be a watchmaker, but all the odds are against you. Or maybe, you know, you should do something that's a bit more of a proven profession. You've turned your passion into your profession. What would you say to people starting out? Should they really go for passion or should they make sure there's a market there? Do you have any? Um, yeah, no, I, you have to, you, you've got to make sure the product's there to begin with. 
which is why it took us five years. So you can have the greatest passion in the world, but if your product's a bit dodgy, yeah. you're not going to get far. Mm. But you can work on that. That's possible. Everyone can get a nice product in the end if you're willing to put the time, energy, investment in yeah. that. Once you've got that, and if you, um, I guess, have the right reason for doing it as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what is the purpose of, 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 of the brand? And that's there, so the story effectively. And then you've got ladles and oodles of, of passion. Then you, I think you're, you know, you've got a very, very good chance of mm. making something work because, because it's yours. There's mm. so much energy you can put into it. And if you think about most of the, for example, the watch fraternity, most of the competition we have is uh, um, big luxury groups. So they'll be, whilst they're producing beautiful product, it's, it's a very different organizational structure to us. We can do things perhaps they can't and or, uh, you know, it's, it's, mm. it is fascinating. And so we, we can buy, we could be slightly rebellious and disruptive is yeah. the word you used earlier on, just because, because you, you're allowed to or you can. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Um, you didn't say the name of the big watch group. Well, no, there's, there's a number, you know, yeah. there's, there's the Richemont, you know, most yeah. of the, uh, you know, watches, if you took a percentage of, you know, probably 80% of the, the watch brands, most people in the high street know about, so by Richemont, LVMH, yeah. Swatch Group, mm. of course, you've got the biggies like Rolex on the side. So. Yeah. And do you think, what do you think the benefit is for a brand being under a big entity of multiple brands? I mean, there's a huge amount of shared infrastructure. Yeah, there's shared resource, I mean, component manufacture, yeah. um, distribution, um, marketing budgets, there's, mm. there's a whole lot. And uh, if, you've, if, if you're lucky enough to be in a group a bit like LVMH, yeah. which would be you know, a number of watch brands, you, you've also got the, uh, the whole luggage mm. and the, the yeah. champagne. You've got loads of different areas of business propping you up as well. So. Yeah. Uh, They've got they've got a lot of resource. Which oh, and what would the boutiques and the disruptors and the smaller brands say is an advantage of being a smaller brand? Um, you're forced to innovate. Yeah. Um, and you can quicker, I guess. And you can do things quicker. Yeah. So we, I think those that's the benefit there. And uh, you can try things potentially, which um, often you try things like relationships, partnerships that you don't quite know where. The end result's going to come mm. or go to, and we can do that. Yeah. Um, whereas I think uh, with a larger brand, everything's prearranged and focused sort of 12 months beforehand, isn't it? Sure. Because you have to, because yeah. it's, uh, yeah, it's just the way of the world. Mm. So um, there are a lot of pilot swatches out there. I mean, I've, yeah. I've got some IWC pilot swatches, which I've, I Lovely, really yeah. like. Um, I had the Brightling Emergency when I passed my... Um, what, very important, yeah. yeah. Did you ever pull it? No, thankfully, I never had to pull it out. I mean, if you've got time to pull that out, you're probably not in that bad a shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I never got the chance to test that. Although every time you get drunk, it's very tempting, isn't it, to pull that out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's been done a few times. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of great pilot swatches out yep, there. Yep, yep. So what makes Bremont different, unique, and what gives it the clear space that it's sort of forged for itself? Okay, I think it's coming. One, I think when we started, we weren't... Um, first of all, I suppose we are pilots, which yeah. kind of helps. So we mm. are passionate about watches, but also passionate about aviation. Aviation has been in our blood from day one. Mm. And because of that, we... Um, I guess have an understanding. It's not a marketing thing. It yeah. is what we are. You, are yeah. you know, we do a huge amount of flying and mm. 
all sorts of airplanes, and I think that's part of it. But also, um, you know, we've worked with some amazing partners over the years. You take Martin Baker. You've probably seen that ejection seat. Mm, yeah, that's so they tempted met... to sit in that. <laughs> <laughs> go for it, go for it. Yeah. Pull that thing. But, you know, they've saved 7,500 lives today, and mm. it's a British engineering company, second to none. And mm. we sort of, we share the same principles. We share the same loves, and you look at their engineering. They've never had a seat in that respect fail because it's so, so beautifully engineered. And... Mm. Um, that was a, a relationship which had you know, definite benefits earlier on and led to certainly a lot of work in the military world. And I think over time, you kind of get the sort of momentum and we're lucky enough to, to work with sort of hundreds, of, uh, hundreds and hundreds of wonderful sort of, uh, I suppose, military squadrons around the world now. Mm. And you learn a huge amount by working with them. Yeah. It's, um, they're incredible ambassadors for us as a brand, and we're something we're immensely proud of. Mm. Um, I think when you put all these things together, you end up with a, uh, you know, we, we never have a, um, you, know, you never see a Bremont advert with a, a sort of slightly made up kind of picture with a yeah. pilot doing something. It's all, it's all reality, or it's all, it's, it's, it, we just have a very different approach when it comes to the mm. marketing of that watch as well. So, yeah. I'm, um, I like by limited editions. I yeah, I guess I didn't get enough attention at school and want to be seen as an individual. Yeah, something. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's... Um, and actually, most of mine have appreciated in value quite a lot. And I was having a look at a couple of your pieces before you came in, and I noticed one of them. You you put parts of aircraft within the movements and in the rotor. Yes, yeah. Tell us about that because I think that's really cool. So that again, out of the watches we make is a very, very, very small percentage, and it's normally one watch a year. So. And that watch normally has a chancellor angle attached to it. Yeah. And it's a, it's a way of um, doing something slightly different. It's a way of telling an incredible story. Mm. And it's a way of working with some amazing partners. So it may have been Bletchley Park, where we did something with the Codebreaker, original parts of Alan Turing's hut and yeah. Enigma machines. Or it might be you know, the 1903 Wright Flyer. Mm. Can you imagine wearing a watch with a time capsule in it, with original fabric? from the first ever aircraft that ever flew. I mean, it's yeah. a bit like for Giles and I, it's a bit like holding the true in shroud or something, yeah. <laughs> apart, apart from it's real. You know, it, yeah. it's, it is the most amazing thing to, 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 to work with. But also there's, or, you know, the 100th anniversary of the Royal Air Force, so working with the RF Association and mm. on that. And they all have a lovely angle. So if you take um, arguments, say the, the Wright Flyer, we raised hundreds of thousands of dollars to restore the Dayton family home. Mm. Um, which is the, the right family home in, uh, uh, in Ohio. And that, yeah. that was a lovely project. Or, as I said, you know, working with um, the Royal Navy on uh, taking original parts of HMS Victory mm. and integrating. And I think when you look at the, the watch from the front, you would not you know, know any different. It's just a fun, pretty watch, um, hopefully mm. timeless in design. But it's when you turn it over and you see all the sort of secrets that Which unfold. It's the first thing I do on a watch. Well, look it is. It, look at the yeah. back. And it's subtly, and the huge amount of time, energy, craftsmanship, engineering skill mm. goes into doing that because it's a moving part. Mm. Um, and it becomes a really lovely story unto itself. And, and, and that's, that's sort of the reason we did it. And yeah. it's become, they've become very good investment pieces over the years. So some of the ones we did in, 10 years ago, uh, three times the value now. Right. And, and for a brand yeah. of our age, that's, you know, that's, that's quite, quite special. Uh, I was going to ask you about that because um, 
I can't work out if it's luck, and there often is a lot of luck. Uh, I have um, Patex and APs, and I always buy the limited ones where I can. Yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah. prices have gone wild. Yes. And I just think, you know, is it just a supply and demand thing? You know, like they only made, um, what, a hundred of the Schumacher. I think I bought the gold Schumacher, lovely piece, and that's gone up a lot. I bought the Arnold Schwarzenegger limited edition ones, and sometimes I think, well, it's just a supply and demand thing. You know, they don't make many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, AP don't increase their volumes too much. And then they get a big ambassador like Michael Schumacher or Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Job done, easy. But then uh, there are other forces at play that are making, because a lot of watches are appreciating in value. A lot, I mean, a lot of Rolexes, but these um, green dial anniversary Submariners for three and four grand a few years ago. They're all 15 grand now. Yes. And they produce a lot of them. Well, no, and you don't, don't, don't know if it... Or, teach me some stuff, you know. Teach you some stuff. Well, I think limited, by you hit the nail on the head, limited is limited. Mm. So, for example, ours will only make 300 a year, or you know, yeah. of, which is tiny yeah. volumes, and um, it's not a limited edition of 10,000 pieces. Mm. And, and you're immediate, it doesn't matter if... It, it's the same in the car world, classic car world. Yeah. If you're one of 36, um, McLaren, whatever McLaren. it is, or yeah. 250 GTOs, or, yeah. that you know... It's going to have a certain transit value. Yeah. When you're looking at, I mean, but then it also, I think it's a great, great comparison. I mean, the, the classic car world. You look at some of the 911s now; they've gone up and up and up in value. But now they're starting softening to softening yeah. because they made so many of them. Yeah. So uh, there's a, often, and I, I love old 911s. They're yeah. the best car. I mean, they're brilliant, brilliant, brilliant things. But they, they did make a lot of them, mm. and uh, the ones that will keep their value and be better investments than the one where you know they made 300 of them yeah or 200 or whatever it is um, and you've got to be careful so i think the things that are going to appreciate are the ones where there is something slightly special about them yeah the brand is there but also they did make in terms of quality of things they, they made very few of them and, mm. and i think it's going to be the same in the watch market i think you might see a bit of a bubble you know, something like the paul newman Daytona. Oh, it's crazy. It, yeah. it is crazy, um, but that's one of, you know, it's, well, it's a very, one very, one. It's a very Paul special. Dame, sorry it's, to interrupt, the yeah. Paul Newman Daytona, worn by Paul Newman, the one that went for millions yeah. of pounds. Yeah, 17, that's one of one, isn't it? 17 million dollars yeah. or something. But it, it, it is a very... I've got a 79 one, so um, that'll stay in the same. Did he wear it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't yes, wear as it. As worn by. Get, yeah, get a picture of it. But right it becomes yeah. something else, doesn't it? It becomes, this is special for, it's so iconic, and yeah. Paul Newman's such a yeah. obvious dude. That yeah. uh, that it, that so, but if you're one of you know you're one of twenty thousand watches because it has yeah. a green dial, is that enough to keep it going in the future? I don't know. Possibly, yeah. possibly not. Yeah. So you you just you really think it's mostly supply and demand and exclusivity? I think there's hype yeah. with, uh, and I think everyone wants to get on the bandwagon. And I think, uh, um, and you see, and I, I I'll keep going back to it. But you see it in the classic car world yeah. the whole time. You know, it's uh, suddenly. You know, there's a number of cars out there which have gone up and up and up in value, but they made a lot of them. Take the 246 Dino. It was yeah. one of my favourite cars, but it's, you know, 15 years ago, it's 70 grand. Now they're 350 grand. And you kind of think, you know, they weren't, they didn't make 200 of them. They made, they made a few thousand of these yeah. things. So this, this seems to be some kind of backwind. Yeah. Um, I like, um, I've got, I've had Ferraris. Um, like, as I said, no attention at school. So I've got no class like you. I need to go into this British class, but everything's just like, look at me. <laughs> um, but like, I, um, <laughs> when I had, the first Ferrari I bought was a 430 with the H-gate gearbox. That was always my dream car. And in five years, we lost no money. I bought it with my business partner. We halved it. 
Um, and um, in, in five years, we lost no money. And in that time, I thought, I want a Testarossa because I love Testarossas. And they were 40, 45 grand for a good one. And now no, they're like 170 or something. Yeah, yeah, no, they go up there, yeah. yeah. And it's but, like, but will that stay like that? So I, it could I be think, a bubble. And, well, no, I think they'll soften, they'll come yeah. down a bit. I mean, this is my view. And it's yeah. the same with, you look at, you know, 911 S's or something, you know, they mm. went, they've gone down a bit now. And it's uh, because everyone thought 911 S's, yeah. that's the next RS. It's lasted a long time though, hasn't it? I mean, this has been happening, I feel like, for about seven years. No, I have, well, certainly the last, yeah, four or five, it's it gone up a lot. Have, yeah, yeah, it doesn't yeah. seem to be stopping. But then you need you Bitcoin. <laughs> well, this is the thing, and, and, and stick to what you know, yeah. understand. I think that's the other thing. I think if, with all these investment decisions, if you stick to what you understand, mm. you've researched, you, you probably have a, a proper uh, love of as well, then yeah. I think you'll do okay. But yeah. uh, so the one question I get asked a lot, and a lot, but you know, I almost feel like I should set up some kind of watch brand myself with how often I get asked, is you know, what's the first good watch someone could buy? Um, and, I, and a lot of people who follow me, they know I have a bit of an investment eye as well as a, yes, an yeah. eye for passion. And of course, the Daytona is the good starting point for everyone. What's the best watch? in the Bremont range to start with, which is a good one, where you've got a nice watch and maybe a chance of it holding its value? Um, do, we're quite lucky as a brand, or very lucky as a brand, because our, is all, we talked about site supply and demand. Yeah. Um, that has always been a, you know, we can't make enough watches. So that's, a, that's, that's where we're quite lucky. Also, we've been very, very strict on controlling our supply in terms of uh, is very little, if any, actually grey market Bremont, which mm. a lot of brands have suffered with. We didn't yeah. suddenly pull out of China or have a nightmare distributor problem out there because we just don't have distributors. We always deal direct with retailers. So we, yeah. so that's made it easy. I mean, in terms of, again, following on from what we've just said, you know, we've got a, a watch coming out with Ben, ben Saunders. Uh, the, uh, it's it's going to be called, uh, well, it's, it's based on the, his first expedition, and then it's, it's a sort of follow-up to that, which was the Terra Nova was his first one. That was a limited edition of 300 units, and they've they've gone up, and they're they're, they're in demand, and yeah. and that's a pretty nice entry price point, relatively speaking, compared to our other limited editions. There's there's a few limiteds we do sometimes, which yeah. which are accessible, and you know you're not going to lose them, and they yeah. normally go up. So those sort of things are nice. Mm. Um, do, do you find that because um, Years ago, when I was buying watches, gold used to be quite soft in price and used to drop a lot. But I've, I'm really into gold watches again because I didn't get enough attention as a kid. Hey, look at my gold. Um, I'll do some therapy. I'll get over yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll chat about it afterwards. <laughs> yeah, thank you, yeah. Um, but gold seems to be quite strong in watches now, price-wise. Yes, I mean, again... And you often make... People, brands often make less gold watches, don't they? We don't, we don't, uh, we don't make a huge amount. We, we have a... You know, uh, a, f a few in our range, um, but limiteds tend to be. We do a version of a limited watch. Yeah. Uh, so this 1918 watch we've just done. There's a white and a yes and a rose gold version. At, but there's yeah. only 75 of them. Which is perfect. So they're so so small. So yeah. but they you know they go very 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 quickly and yeah. again they hold their value for a number of reasons. And yeah. uh, but I think um, if it's done in a nice way, then I think they can look beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So um, penultimate question, then we'll do the quick fire round because I know you've got... Uh, no, no, not at all. Thanks so far for your time. Well, really, absolutely really pleasure. It. No, I real pleasure. I can hang out here all day. No, you, you can, you can, you <laughs> can. Thank you. Right, so 
I started my business um, and had family involved and I get a lot of followers saying, oh, you know, what's it like working with family? Should I borrow money from family? Or you have worked a lot with family, obviously. Yes, yeah, your, yeah, yeah. your brothers, you know, um, you, you co-founded Bremont together. You yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So what's it like working with family? What are the upsides and downsides? And he's well, not Giles, here, so you can say whatever you want. Well, yeah, Giles isn't here, is he? Well, he's an amazing photocopier, um, <laughs> office cleaner. Um, no, no, do you know... The ying to your yang. Yeah, yeah. exactly, no, no. The nice thing about Giles and working with Giles, you know, he could be sitting here and he'll be answering exactly the same questions and we're very, very similar in that respect, mm. yet we're different enough to complement each other. And I think um, when you're setting up a business, having, one, someone the trust is implicit is, is a huge benefit. Mm. You know, you, of course you would as your, as your family. Um, but you, you're not going into the unknown by yourself. Yeah. You've got someone who can bounce questions and I found off. that so important. Isn't it? But you can feel very alone, can't you? Can you can feel very alone. But I can say to Giles, and we both we've both been through, you know, I smashed myself up, you know, however many years ago. Giles broke his back in three or four places three or four years ago in an airplane crash and the engine fell. You know, we've both been there and we both life life for both of us is very short. And well, you've done very well to survive because yeah. most people don't survive those crashes. You haven't seen Giles. He looks, oh, a, bit right. he looks a bit odd. He? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, you can, you can sit next to him and go, Giles, should we do this? You go, yeah, why not? Let's do it. And I think if you're by yourself and you're having the same question or the same thought process, you probably wouldn't do it. But you'd yeah. be, I think you'd be more risk averse. Yeah. But when there's both of you going, what the hell, let's yeah. do this. Let's... Let's buy that piece of machinery, which is God knows how much many, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds, so you can finish the case or a movement part in the UK. You go, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, perhaps if by yourself, you you probably think actually, let's wait. Yeah. So that sort of thing is is really really useful. Um, mm. And actually, and you know, he's got a great mind, and we work together so yeah. in the world like that. So it's mm. great. And um, has it helped you through harder times, knowing you've got a partner there? Oh God, yeah, yeah. yeah no. That's been and, the biggest benefit. And there are, uh, you know, what it's like. There's, yeah. there are hard times. It's not a, it's not plain sailing. No. There's ups and downs. And what's nice about working with someone, um, again, if the trust is there, you, you, when you're up, they might not be as up. Yeah. And you know, it goes a bit like this, doesn't mm. it? You can pick each other up when you're down. It's like, come on, we can do this. And yeah. um, whereas if again, but you're by yourself or yeah. you're. I think you have to be a certain personality. And I think, obviously, there are people out there who can do it by themselves, but I don't think I'm one of them. Mm. Um, I, I, I really enjoy it, the yeah. fact you can. It's better to... Uh, and I, it depends on your motives as well. You know, ours isn't... It, it's about something... Um, it's about building something. And mm. it's, it's build, about building something which uh, you can both enjoy together as well. And we chat about, obviously, our father a lot and mm. my well, the whole family influence, and it's, it's nice, actually. It's, yeah. it's something quite special to share it with someone. Mm. I, I would just like to stress that point because I think um, a lot of people don't go into partnerships because they think they're giving away half of something. I think that oh, they don't realise what you gain having a partner. Mark and I, my business partner, have had so much good times, so many laughs. When things have been hard or we've had bad PR or critics or whatever, we can just laugh it off in our office between ourselves, saying things you can never say on camera. Just having a laugh, just, you know, like supporting so each other. And, yeah. and uh, I don't know, I, really, I just really get that sense from you that you, you, you have that fun. And Well, you have to, life is bloody short, I was saying, and you've got to make it sure it's fun. Mm. And, it, and if you don't, and, uh, 
Actually, that was one of my, I've already worked out my New Year's resolution 2018, but yeah. it's right up the top is make sure there's a lot of fun involved yeah. because after the years zoom past, mm. you look at your kids and suddenly they're yeah. on the next school year and everything else zooms past as well. And you're, yeah, it's, yeah, every minute's got to be as enjoyable as possible. Did your life change in any way with kids? I mean, when my kids were born, I actually really did start flying a lot less and I got scared because all of a sudden, I've never felt it before, but there's some of these people that I feel there's such strong need to protect and also my wife, don't fly, don't fly, don't fly. Don't I really fly. Yeah. She hates it, she hates it. I mean, right, you know, rotary wing, there's always a story, isn't there? Like motorbikes, well, I think there's both, always a story. Right. Unfortunately, I do all that this stuff as well, like motorbikes. Uh-huh. But I think... Your um, poor wife. Poor wife. <laughs> I don't know, that she, you know, I think she knew what she was getting into. Oh, okay, when she, well, enough. a tiny bit, but also, um, no, it does change. I mean, I don't do nearly the number of air shows, for example, we used mm. to do, um, and that's quite a dangerous, yeah. dangerous pastime. And... Um, you are, you know, you when you're opening up the throttle on a motorcycle, you just you don't do it in the same way, and yeah. you just, you know, you're thinking about you, your mindset does change. Mm. The most precious things you have are your your family, and you mm. don't ever want to blow that um, in terms of not being around for them. So mm. no, it does, it yeah. does, and I think uh, it's a good leveler, isn't it? Mm. Having having family. Yeah, I think so, and if I, I definitely took, started to take less risks in business as well once I had kids. I just. It's, it's biological of some degree. It wasn't a conscious thing. Because you, you no, exactly. Yeah, you don't. You don't. You've got to make sure there's something there for them in the, yeah. in the future. Yeah, it is. It's, it's fun. This is why, if you can set up when you're in your twenties, yes. do it because that's when you have yeah more opportunity to do yeah. so, don't you? Mm. All right, should we do the quick fire then? Let's do it. Well, then, yeah, yeah. Tell me what these are. Okay. All right then. So your second favorite watch brand. <laughs> My second favorite watch brand. Yeah, you're, yeah. Um, or watch brands you love. Yeah, you know, if I had to have a Grail watch, it'd be sort of original um, Graham pocket watch or something yeah. from from all those years ago. Mm. But um, now I love a lot of the vintage watches. So if you look at the old Mark 10, 11 IWCs or some yeah. of the old vintage Explorers on the Rolex mm. side, I mean, yeah, I bought my wife a vintage fifties night. Yeah. You can't go wrong. They're yeah. so timeless. They're beautiful and um, they're very non showy. They're mm. just they're just nice, nice, nice things. So mm. I do like those. Yeah. All right. Great. Uh, your favourite non-Bremont pilot watch? Oh, <laughs> non-Bremont. Um, you know, I like some of the. Um, uh, I like some of the German ones actually. Mm. You know the old some of the Glashütter brands. Yeah. I think they're they're very very pretty. I love. I think there's understated engineering involved mm. there. Um, and they're gone. They're very. They're, yeah, they're not very um, ostentatious. Mm. And I think a pilot's watch has to be. The clarity has to be there. Yeah, you know, you have to be able to look at a watch quickly, and it's um, sort of fairly non-fossy. And I think a lot of, like, funny enough, a lot of the German German yeah. brands. Mm. Okay, great. Any famous or successful people wear your watches that would be good to shout out to them? <laughs> there's a, there's a few brothers fun, in the actually, there's a few, <laughs> there's a few fun pictures on our website. So yeah. we um, no, we were lucky. There's some a lot of fun, interesting people wear them. Yeah. Um, uh, which we're very, very fortunate to have. But mm. it's, uh, we don't advertise with people. We don't, yeah. you know, we don't have a sort of big picture of a guy holding a watch up. It's, um, and I think they, they wear them because they like them, which yeah. we're very, you know, very lucky with. Yeah. But check out the website and you'll see. Yeah. Quite okay, well, well, well um, I'll let you give a chance to send everyone where we want to go in a minute. Oh, yeah, hey, hey, look, it's important. I wanted to do this because I'm a real passionate 
watch guy, and I think it's great that we've got passionate English brand. I, I really do. Thank you um, very much. We, I mean, we used to have so much in Britain, didn't we? And then we sold it all. And it's great that we're like, no, you, know, you talk about Jaguar. Well, I mean, that was, that was British everything, and it all got sold. But if you look, even if you take a Jaguar, okay, the parent company is not British, but all of the IP in mm. terms of the, oh, all yeah, the sort the of the people, the, yeah. they are, Brits are keeping that company going. You know, yeah. you know Ian Callum, one of the most incredible designers, automotive designers in the last 50 years. Mm. You know, he came from Aston Martin, designed the DB7 and the 9, the Vanquish, yeah. all those sort of cars before he went to Jaguar. They're Brits. Yeah. They're, and they're the, the, the engineering skill set we have in this country is phenomenal. Mm. Yeah. yeah, we're just rubbish marketeers. So that's, that's <laughs> yeah, the problem. Yeah, yeah we're too um, reserved yeah, and polite. Yeah, a tiny bit. Yeah. yeah. After you, Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right, great. So um, something that's done quite a lot in the watch and the car industry, actually, is the aftermarket adaptations. So, you know, there's often the black coatings put on the watch. Yeah, yeah. There, or sort of the, their, um, I won't mention some of the brands. Um, but, well, you like know, Bamford's. Yeah. George is a great guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. So what do you think about that? Doing I, know, that I think there's a place. I mean, Pimping I, them out. Do you know, value-wise, I don't really know what impact it has because it's a bit like, again, going back to the car world, you know, if you have an original car and you mess it around, it becomes something else. It becomes a bit of an outlaw, doesn't yeah. it? And I think, at the end of the day, if you're wearing it, you've got to separate investment from yeah. whether you like wearing it. And if you do want to change something, it's up to you. We don't change things for people, no. really, because you're, this is your, you can't, because where do you start and stop? Mm. But... Uh, you know, I don't think there's any right or wrong. I think no. if you, you I'm going to push you on this one. Yeah. This is, you're very diplomatic, which I love, but I'm going to have to ask it. Sacrilege or an expression of individuality? Which one of those are you going to choose for blacking out your watch? Um, individuality. There you go. All right, great. And then finally, what does the word disruptive mean to you? Does it have any connotations or what would you put the meaning of it as? This podcast is called The Disruptive Entrepreneur. Yes. Well, disruptive, it could take both ways, couldn't it? Mm. It could be, I like to take the meaning of it being, um, I suppose, more innovative and more fresh than Mm. I guess, and more different. Mm. And uh, I think... um, you know, I think in terms of Bremer, I think we have been slightly disrupted, especially in terms of, uh, you know, our mission in terms of bringing stuff back to the UK. Yeah. Um, slightly different approach to it than a British approach mm. as opposed to, you know, some of our foreign, foreign competitors. But, yeah. uh, but that's uh, not a bad thing, I don't think. Mm. Nick, thank you very much. Rob, absolute pleasure. No, really lovely, lovely chat. I could chat for hours. Oh, actually, likewise, so. but we, um, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> um, where should people go if they want to find out more about Bremont, the brands, if they want to invest in a piece? Well, do, you know, go, do go and look at, obviously, bremont.com, uh, B-R-E-M-O-N-T.com. But you've also, you know, social media now, there's some amazing stuff on. So, for example, Bremont Military, Facebook, for example, yeah. you'll see thousands and thousands of amazing photographs of yeah. people doing amazing things. Do you have there, an Instagram is, account we can follow? Most I, I do. I'm a Bremel Nick. Yeah. Um, um, and, uh, yeah, so, yeah, do. And there's yeah, normally fairly, fairly safe stuff. I, yeah. You know, you, you learn, don't you, for a lot. Not being too risky, but, no. uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, please do. All but, right. uh, but thanks again, Rob. Really lovely to see you.